Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wendy Cathy Show. I'm your host, Wei Fang. Today, we'll be reporting to you the result of the Tuesday primary, and also we'll be reporting to you about what is happening to Twitter. Okay, in the midst of a lawsuit with、uh, Elon Musk, and also we'll be reporting to you a major drought that is happening in China, which is unprecedented, believe it or not. Anyway, so the primary. Um, for the midterm election happened in the three states、uh, just、uh, yesterday, which is Florida, New York, and Oklahoma. As you know, Florida and New York are two big states. Okay,、um, two of the largest,、uh, you know, five states in this country, population-wise. And the former President Trump actually proved again he's a、um, you know powerful kingmaker. And.、Uh, And he endorsed a handful of candidates in the、um, in this session. And、uh, yesterday, he gushed out about the wins on his social platform, Truth Social. He said, "It looks like a fantastic evening of all wins, great candidates." And Trump went <clears throat> later added that twenty、uh, six and zero tonight, turning numerous tight races into big and easy wins. So he also tweeted,、uh, not tweeted. You know, sending the Truth Social overall for last four years, ninety-eight point four percent on endorsements. Okay, and Trump even jokingly endorsed the Democratic candidates such as、uh, Dan Goldman, who won his New York primary on Tuesday night. And、uh, Trump posted, "It's my great honor to strongly endorse him." Okay, he said, "I do." I do this not because of the fact that he headed up the impeachment committee and the lost, but because he was honorable, fair, and highly intelligent. <coughs> so, that's his word.、Um, in in a more、uh, serious endorsement,、uh, Trump backed first uh, Florida uh, district Republican Congressman Matt Gaetz, defeated former FedEx executive Mark、uh, Lombardo by forty four percent. Forty-four per forty-four percentage points、um, in the primary yesterday last night. Okay, <clears throat> and the victory came despite Gates being under investigation over sex、uh, trafficking allegations regarding a minor. Okay, and uh, uh, and Gates is、uh, ally of, of, of former President Donald Trump. And actually, political call Gates one of the quote. One of the most enthusiastic in defenders of the President Trump on cable news, and a, a proud Trump、uh, um, protege, and the Washington Post wrote <coughs> the, the following: unabashedly aligned himself with、uh, Trump on basically all things. So, however, in May 2018, Gates was one of the 18.、Uh, um, this is another thing. Okay, in May 2018, Gates was one of the 18 House Republicans. To vote to nominate Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize for his role in peace talks with North Korea, however, in the late 2020, the Department of Justice opened an investigation into allegations that Gates had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl in exchange for money, which violates the federal sex trafficking laws. The case、uh, alleged Gates took three women to a Bahama. In the 2018 trip, including a 17-year-old woman, with with whom Gates was allegedly、um, in a sexual relationship at the time, and、um, in April 2021, which is last year, the House Ethics Committee also announced an investigation. A New York Times in March of 
and uh, wrote a lengthy article about this matter and cited three anonymous sources uh, making, uh, claiming that they know the, uh, the, the matter. Uh, but Matt Gates denied it completely and was rather vocal in pushing back the allegation, which he said was ill-intentioned. And Gates also said he does not expect to be charged for the crimes that, of which he's accused because he thinks they don't have any evidence. Well, believe it or not, since then until now, it's almost like two years or at least like uh, we're talking about uh, 18, <clears throat> 18 months and he was, he was not, he was not charged. So that, that's case. And uh, look at the other people in the Florida. As we all know, that uh, Governor DeSantis easily won and uh, facing his um, uh, opponent in November, uh, the, the Congressman Christ. And then Senator uh, Mark Rubio is up, to, is up for re-election and he won easily. However, for the other houses, it, <clears throat> it does not supposed to be so simple. However, for the 12 House representatives in from the state of Florida that Trump endorsed, they all won last night, okay? In New York, three House representatives and uh, one from the Staten, uh, Staten Island, uh, Nicole Maliotakis, and then an, another two, uh, two ladies, one is uh, Alice uh, Stefanik from upstate 21st century, and Claudia Tenney of upstate 22nd um, district, Indo all of them endorsed by Trump, and they all won, okay? In the down the Democrat side, uh, Jerry Nadler, if you remember him, Jerry Nadler, who represents the 10th district uh, on the western side, western side of the Manhattan, and, uh, and then Caroline Maloney, who's the, from the 12th district from the eastern Manhattan, and uh, they have to compete for one position, okay? And uh, if, you, if you remember that Jerry Nadler is the chairman of the House uh, Judiciary Committee, while the Caroline Maloney, Maloney is the House Oversight Committee. All right. So they both you know, work with each other for almost like 30 years. However, because of the 2020 census and then the district map has to be redrawn, and it was just earlier today, a court ordered that uh, these two districts merge. So only one can survive. As, as a result, uh, Jerry Nadler won the primary. So Carolyn Maloney, who has been a 30-year uh, House veteran, did not get to return to Washington after November or after next January. And uh, an a, a attorney, Daniel Goldman, and then who, who became the first consul for the two impeachment against uh, President Trump and uh, won, over the, won the primary on the Democratic side over um, the former New York mayor Bill de Blasio and uh, two other Democratic um, um, opponents. So actually in New York, generally on several fronts, um, the moderate, the Democratic moderate defeated the Democratic progressive. So that's one major takeaway from the last night's election. And anyway, so just it again just proved that um, Republican Party seems to be the Trump's party, and uh, people still love him. There's no second leader, and uh, after this uh, midterm, chances are in the Republican Party, uh, Trump's position will be uh, greatly enhanced, uh, consolidated. All right, so that's the Tuesday takeaway, and. Um, 
Okay, now let's talk about the Twitter. It's actually quite interesting, okay? Um, if the former head of security, his name is Peter um, Zacco, he's a well-known hacker who went by the screen name March, okay, has come forward with a whistleblower complaint alleging that uh, the company's management misled federal regulators and the company's board of directors about, quote, extreme egregious deficiencies. Okay, and Zacco <clears throat> was fired by Twitter in January, okay, just a month after Jack Dorsey stepped down as CEO. So <clears throat> before we talk about, you know, what, 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 what kind of thing that he whistleblowed, um, let's describe um, this gentleman, okay, the Zacco, and who, who is um, he? Actually, he's quite, uh, he's quite an <clears throat> amazing guy. He's well-known in the industry and well-known by the government, okay? And um, he was uh, actually... One of the, you know, he graduated actually as a, from the music major, okay? And uh, when he was young and he was a very good guitar player. Anyway, he was one of the um, hackers who taught himself and then became a leading person in writing papers back then in the 1990s about the deficiency in, in the Unix system. <clears throat> if you know, still know what that, that is. Um, and uh, he wrote a, a number of papers and describing the vulnerability of the internet in the 1990s. If you remember, internet was just um, born. And then he was one of the early hackers who reached out with the government and worked with the government. <clears throat> in 1998, he joined a Senate committee in a hearing about the serious vulnerability of the internet at that time. And in 2000, there was a major internet uh, uh, distributed denial of service attack and that crippled you know, the, the service across the nation. He was then invited to meet with President Bill Clinton at a security summit where all the other cabinet members uh, were there. <clears throat> In the year 2010, DAPA, if you remember, uh, the Defense Advanced Research, um, uh, Research Planning Agency, DAPA, the DAPA is the agency that founded Internet. And he became a program manager at the DAPA. And uh, in the July 2020, which is two years ago, <clears throat> Twitter um, faced a, um, hacking, a hacking attack that compromised multiple high-profile um, accounts. And then the then-CEO Jack Dorsey uh, sought um, him to join Twitter as the head of security, which he consented. However, he, he was on the job only for like uh, 15 or 16 months. All right, in the January 2022, he was terminated by the company. And then, so what's the reason? The reason, let me read it to you, and then you tell me how you understand it, is that uh, he was fired because of uh, an assessment of how the organization was being led and the impact on top of priority work. So they've been just courteous and uh, ambiguous, and basically they don't like him. So that's uh, about, uh, what, like eight months ago, right? So since then, apparently has been working on writing report about the, you know, the problem at the Twitters, okay? And not only <clears throat> he said there's a major vulnerability in Twitters and, uh, and the top management uh, ignore his warning, and then the executives only also withheld important facts about the number of the breaches the company faces and the lack of protection of user data, okay? And instead, they show the director's charts measuring unimportant changes and the positive metrics. And then, what more is this? Okay, <clears throat> he said that uh, 
um, Twitter was uh, threatened by the Russian government before the invasion, their invasion of the Ukraine, to set up a branch in in Russia, or they face being kicked out. And uh, Twitter um, complied, and that, uh, meaning that Russia by setting up a branch in the in Moscow or in Russia, the Russian government is able to you know look into the data because it's, the, it's the, in their hand. And also, he said, uh, Twitter take money from certain Chinese entities. You know, there's no clear, specific, you know, <clears throat> um, name calling. But uh, because of that, the Twitter users from China, their information can be leaked, can can be leaked back to CCP, Chinese Communist Party. And uh, <clears throat> what more is uh, Twitter emphasize on user user growth, and then they ignore the fake account issue. Now. Take note, okay? This has, this has, is very relevant to the ongoing lawsuit between Elon Musk, who challenged that, uh, challenged Twitter that uh, their, uh, the portion, the portion of their fake account, is not below, you know, um, below the five percent, and then because of that, he wants to back out of the purchase agreement, while the Twitter is holding him there in the court, and the trial will come in October, okay? So that's what um, you know. What, what uh, Zacho um, alleged. He also depicted Twitter as a chaotic and a directionless company, and plagued by infighting and unable to protect his data. Okay, and uh, he also said uh, the company violated the term of an 11-year-old settlement with the Federal Trade Commission by forcefully claiming that it had a solid and a defined security plan. And, um, and Zacho claimed that he warned colleagues that half of the company's servers were operating on out-of-date and vulnerable software with multiple security bugs. Um, yeah, and uh, so basically a lot of a serious charge. And because of his background, because of his um, experience, because of his name, his words was, has been, are, are being taken very seriously. People basically believe him, so they believe what they say. Okay, so that's, uh, it means a lot of trouble to Twitter. And in the meantime, not, that's not the only thing that Twitter is facing. And uh, Elon Musk's legal team is bringing, um, is bringing three people um, to court through uh, subpoenas. So, and what are those three people? The first people, person who will be uh, subpoenaed will be former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. Okay, the second one is his former head of product. His name is uh, Kevin ba uh, Beckpour, and he was fired by the new CEO who succeeded uh, Jack Dorsey. And then also the revenue product leader, and his name is uh, uh, Bruce Belk. Okay, uh, Falk, I'm sorry, Bruce Falk. Basically, those three people already left Twitter. So presumably they have uh, freedom to speak, or they have no other reservation. And then the court date is coming, five-day trial will be coming in October. Okay, it will be a quick trial because the judge intended to make it a show and he thinks that a dragging out is counterproductive uh, to Twitter, is unfair to Twitter too. So we'll be looking forward to that. And um, yeah, so the current CEO is uh, Parag Agrawal. Okay, and after Dorsey stepped down from the position in November, he named uh, Agrawal as his successor. Okay, so Twitter's legal team is uh, calling anyone he thinks may back up his argument that the company is lying about the measurement of the bots and the spam among the daily active users on the platform. 
That aside, as a matter of fact, okay, although Elon Musk said he doesn't want to buy Twitter, okay, and because of those bots, and then the Twitter hold him, hold him there and saying that you have to buy it, okay, you already signed the agreement. But in my judgment, okay, this is a little commentary from me, um, I think um, Elon Musk does want to buy, the, uh, buy Twitter. He still do. He still do, okay? Because in his board meeting at uh, um, Tesla, you know, he always talk about, still talk about what he would do after he getting Twitter, okay? And he's the most uh, avid user of the Twitter, and he love it, he enjoy it, and he has the money to buy it, okay? Now the stock price of the um, Tesla has come back, he's very wealthy again, and then, then I think he just want to have a bargain. Well, in the meantime, for the Twitter, who is suing him to buy it, I believe most of them, they don't, they don't want him to buy it, okay? So because of, if he indeed buy it, all of, them, all of them will be gone. But because the board of directors has made the decision, and there are $444 billion on the table, so they got no choice. But uh, still, on this very lawsuit, Trump doesn't want to win because he want to still buy it. And that Twitter doesn't want to want to want to win either, okay? And uh, because they, they they wish Elon Musk would walk away. Anyway, so it's a very very you know twisted situation and a very very dramatic purchase. Okay, I think the most probably the most dramatic purchase in the in American modern history. Okay, the third piece of news has to do with China. <clears throat> All right, so um, there's this extreme um, drought that has been lasting for seven, 70 days uh, in central China. It has to do with a lot of impact on the uh, Yangtze River, if you know the longest river of China, from the west, flow to the east, into the sea, uh, East China Sea, uh, which is part of the Pacific Ocean. And uh, <clears throat> so it has um, impacted people's life and uh, threatened the, um, the crops and, uh, and the livelihood of both you know, living stocks and also people in a very serious way. As a matter of fact, this is the, um, the longest and the most impactful drought as recorded by the history of China, all right? So there's so in one city, in Sichuan, uh, today on, on the Wednesday, they recorded the temperature is uh, 111 uh, degree, you know, Fahrenheit, okay? And that was the highest temperature ever recorded by the you know, Sichuan province. You know, Sichuan, you know, Sichuan food, Sichuan beef. That, that was the name of a region, okay, because it's called the Sichuan province. Yeah, and, and the rainfall is uh, dropped 80% compared to a normal year, okay? And uh, over there, people, when they need to recharge their battery, the battery of their cell phone, you know how far they have to go? They have to go six or seven miles or 10 kilometers to find a charging station so that they can charge their phone. And what do you see here is the, you know, is the bottom of a lake, all right? It's just like that. <clears throat> and what is especially threatening is the food, okay? It's the crops for the autumn. And, um, and that could threaten, you know, all the food industry and cause the price of the food to um, <clears throat> jump up and uh, even cr possibly create a major food crisis. Uh, because the autumn, <clears throat> the fall, okay, the fall harvest um, took 75% of the entire production uh, in China, uh, the food production. 
and then for these uh, six provinces in Sichuan, Chongqing, and the Hubei, Hunan, Jiangsu, Anhui, six provinces, okay, the total uh, production of the food is um, um, 168 million uh, tons, which, which takes 25% of the entire nation's product. product. And then now they are all impacted. <clears throat> so actually, uh, starting 2004, uh, China used to feed itself completely by itself, okay? But in 2004, because of two reasons, uh, first is uh, they, you know, because of the, the country uh, has gotten wealthy, so they consume more food, consume more wine or liquor or things like that, which came from food, okay? And also because they convert more farmland into, you know, into urban area to build buildings there. Because of that, the area for farmland got reduced. So China started to importing food, okay? Importing food every, how to say, grain and the food every year. And then from 2004 until today, <clears throat> the deficit, okay, in the agricultural product, you know, expand to um, 95, billion, 95 billion dollars. Okay, so today uh, China imported 24% of all its food uh, from outside, mainly from the U.S. and, and Brazil. Okay, both of them together took like a 75% of all the import that China, uh, food import that China needs. So for a country like this, <clears throat> if there's a major disaster of a, you know, uh, of a year, like uh, this time, and if there's other shortage of food, in the U.S., it will push up the you know the food price on the in the international market, and also you know because food you cannot just rush product it, produce it right. When you don't have it, when you do not have enough food, people could starve. So that's how serious this could get to. And back then, actually, twenty years ago, uh, CCP have this slogan which is called "Tui Geng Huan Ling." What does that mean? It means that we want to give up the farmland and grow trees there. To deal with the climate change, to to make the country more green, but now they are doing that, uh, you know, cut down the trees and turn forest land into farmland. Reason? Because there's no place, there's not enough place to grow crops, and the country, the population, you, you call it number one economy in the world, it could be very vulnerable. Okay, people could starve when they don't have enough food, and this is uh, the threat. Um, that is uh, brought about by this uh, unprecedented drought. Well, in the meantime, let me share with you that in China, the economy is, is in big trouble. We know that we have like 8.5% inflation uh, in July for the U.S., right? And earlier than that, it was 9.1%. You think it's bad enough? You think it's really, really bad? Well, China's worse. It's way worse. Um, the real estate industry, which is uh, pretty much took 30% uh, of the entire GDP, okay, a gross domestic uh, product, and uh, virtually collapse, okay? And um, so because of that, there's, you know, numbers, because they, they, they run up too much debt, and then to the point of they, they can no longer, they just they got stuck. They have, don't have money to pay back to the debt or the, the interest of the debt, so they are pretty much frozen there. And the uh, government did not let them bankrupt, go, uh, you know, go bankrupt. So they were just hanging there, keep accumulating interest every month. And because of that, uh, the, why the government didn't allow them to bankrupt? Because 
government think if you do so, they have to take care of all the, you know, all those debt uh, themselves. And then, so they want, they want to sustain them, but without giving them money. Okay, so it's a very, very awkward situation. As the situation simply lasts, it just gets worse every single day. So even though it was a small matter to a particular, like, ever, ever grand uh, company, and then it's only a problem that they have now that has been burning through the field, become the, you know, a major problem for the entire real estate uh, industry. And then the real estate industry have their upstream uh, partners and downstream partners. They are now dragged, they are all dragged into trouble. And for the people who, how to say, who pay, prepay for the houses that they're going to buy, and then they, they stop paying the, you know, paying the mortgage. They think, I'll never get those houses that we, you know, we were promised, so now we'll stop paying. So that creates a lot of problems to the banks. And uh, the banks has been financing, how to say, the local government. Now the local government pay back the, the, the bank with the land that they sell to the developer, real estate developer, because the real estate developer, they are in big trouble. They don't buy land anymore. So local government now in big trouble. They cannot pay back the banks, so they have no money to use. So one thing after another, in China, things are deteriorating very quickly. And um, yeah, and uh, we'll see what will happen. It doesn't seem that uh, the CCP central government is very determined to, dealing, to deal with the problems. And, and you wonder why. Why don't they deal with it? Why don't they just print out like a, you know, 20 billion RMB, which is about like a $3 trillion, um, you know, 20 trillion RMB is what I mean. $3 trillion, they could uh, alleviate the situation, but they are not doing so. And what's the reason? Nobody knows. Okay? Uh, but if you ask me, uh, my, my judgment is very, it could be very simple. Because those supreme leaders, they're too high up there. They don't know the reality on the ground. They don't know what I'm just telling you here. They just don't know. The people surround, them, surround him or surround the Xi Jinping and those top leaders, they just, they just court, them, court them. They don't give them the fact. So they don't make good decisions. Even though it's very, very, at, at times, very, very efficient communist nation, they always tout they are so efficient. But sooner or later, they make, make mistake in their judgment because nobody tells the truth. They have, when they run into that situation, it would be a major disaster. And there's no way getting out of there because they don't know the truth, they don't deal with the fact, and uh, also they have the monopoly of power. So when, in terms of doing things, they are very efficient too. So this is pretty much where China, China right now is. So, okay, we'll see. We'll see how long that will take and uh, to see something happen. All right, so that's all for tonight. And uh, thank you for being with us tonight. And as you can see that Wei and Kathy are doing daily show now. And in the next couple of days, I, I, yeah, we, we may have to take some break. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll try to pre-record some show for you. And uh, thank you for being with us tonight. And uh, we shall have a great night. And see you. Um, see you tomorrow. Okay, I think we'll do, do it tomorrow. Bye-bye.